0: Hello and welcome to the Theotivity Podcast. My name is Thaddeus and I'm looking forward to today's episode. We're gonna be interviewing Jonathan Wellam. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He is uh, from Rocklink Investment Partners, Inc. It's an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high quality assets customized to their clients' needs of protecting and growing their wealth uh, tax efficiently over time. Now, prior to founding Rocklink um, in 2009, Jonathan began his investment career with Portland Investment Council, formerly AIC, in 1990 and served as a member of the firm's senior management team. In September of 2009, AIC's retail mutual fund-based business was sold to Manulife Financial. In 1995, Jonathan was named Fund Manager of the Year by the Investment Executive Magazine and in 1997 awarded the Fund Manager of the Year at the Canadian Mutual Fund Award Gala. In addition, Jonathan was a recipient of Canada's Top 40 Under 40. Jonathan is one of the advisory board of the Oak Centre, a board member of the Canadian National Christian Foundation based in Ottawa, Ontario, and serves as an elder at Trinity Baptist Church in Burlington, Ontario. Jonathan has been married to his wife, Heidi, for 30 years, and they have four children, Johanna, Jonathan Jr., David, and Christina. Jonathan holds a Bachelor of Commerce and a Master of Business Administration degree from McMaster University, and a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Waterloo. He completed his formal education with a Master of Arts degree in theology and philosophy from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago. And he also holds the designation of Chartered Financial Analysis, CFA. So a very well credentialed uh, individual, an accomplished man, and a wise man, a godly man. I'm looking forward to today's episode as we talk and discuss a little bit with Jonathan. The Theotivity Podcast Theotivity is the place where theology and creativity come together Here you'll find audio narration of articles Episodes exploring the faith, culture, the arts and media Systematic theology, apologetics Guest interviews with Christian thinkers, creatives, pastors, theologians and much more At Theotivity.com, you'll find articles and resources to help you grow in your faith, as well as a portfolio of creative works. Like, share, and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. All right. So thank you, Jonathan, for being here. I'm so excited for today's episode and what you've got to share with us. I know you're a very accomplished man, very wise man. I've listened to several of your uh, talks online on YouTube and Ah, uh, really benefited a lot, so I'm excited for our listeners to hear what you have to say today. Uh, so how about we just uh, jump straight in? Um, and I always like to open off episodes with just kind of a, you know, a fun question. So Jonathan, tell me, what is the economic reason, the 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 most blessed reason why? All pizzerias should have pineapple on every single pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it adds, adds a lot of flavor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of yeah. having some pineapple with uh, some ham. So uh, I'm, I'm with you there. All right. Good man. Good man. <laughs> okay. So first, first question I had for you was, um, you know, from a Christian worldview, what are some of the problems uh, with how people and even politicians today uh, think about uh, the national economy? You know, we're living in a time... Uh, both in Canada and the U.S. and uh, throughout the world where economies aren't doing that great. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I'm wondering if, uh, if you could give us a little bit of an analysis from a Christian point of view. Um, you know, what are some of the errors or the problems in people's thinking about the national economy?
1: Yes, I, I think, it, it, you know, if you, if you step back a moment, it, it's important to, especially from a Christian perspective and from a biblical worldview consistent with uh, creation, that God has made Mm. various spheres and spheres of sovereignty. And so you have the state and you have the family and you have the church and you have corporations and business and so on. And I think the biggest challenge and problem we have now is that we have too much government um, and government Mm. has become much too large. It's more extensive in terms of its uh, tentacles into the economy. And so increasingly, it wants to control the church, it wants to control the family, it wants to control economics, business. And so you have an all-pervasive state increasingly. We've fed this beast to the point that it's become over half of our mm. GDP, over, in terms of spending of our GDP, it's over half the economy. And I think that yeah. uh, that is really a major, major challenge from an economics perspective, that uh, the most e- inefficient and potentially corrupt Sector the government mm-hmm. when you give them power uh, now controls more and more of our economic resources and spiritual resources social resources and so on, and uh, people mm-hmm. just don't seem to realize the threat that that has in terms of overall like, economic growth and so on. So, I think that uh, that's that's a big issue. Too much top down control. The next the next issue mm-hmm. would be that you know I'm sure we'll we'll talk about these points in more detail. A very small view of our earth. Uh, a very um, a very small view of the resourcefulness of the world that God has created for us. And so we have this much this very small minded attitude towards our resources. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. have enough to feed people. We don't have enough energy. We don't have enough this. We're going to have this crisis right. this, you know one crisis from one crisis to
0: another. And I think So it's like a, a mindset of scarcity as opposed to, a, you know, that God has created abundant creation. Exactly, because when, it really, when you get back to the Christian worldview, it's production-oriented.
1: It's production-oriented, hmm. not distribution-oriented. Hmm. And so if you have a hmm. worldview that focused is just on distribution, then you're not going to make anything, hmm. and there won't be
0: much to distribute, right. and you end up with a tremendous yeah. of poverty. Um, That's a good distinction. I, like, I love how you categorize that, production versus distribution. Um, because distribution implies that there's this, like, limited pie, basically, that you have to distribute and cut up for everybody to get a piece of the pie, whereas production is saying that, no, um, actually, we've got the raw resources that we can make more pie.
1: Absolutely. It's not a zero-sum game that God has Mm. given us tremendous resourcefulness and resources in the earth, and we are to develop those resources and to take Mm. out poverty. I mean, after the fall, I mean, uh, you know, before the fall, uh, work was something that we were created to do because it's a reflection of God, who is a worker, and mm. we are to, you know, in His made in His image, we are to be workers also. But after the fall, mm. there's the frustration, and so um, part of uh, work then becomes uh, overcoming uh, the implications of the fall in terms of uh, uh, producing mm. things, and it's going to be by the sweat of our brow. It's going to take work, and it's going to take effort. It's going to take personal contribution and you have to Mm -hmm. then uh, get out and work and um, but so so we've got this issue of poverty we've got this issue of uh, of uh, problems that uh, exist because of the fall and we're going to overcome those how are we going to overcome those Um, through work and through production and uh, overcoming scarcity Mm -hmm. by utilizing the resources in the earth and of course i'm speaking Mm -hmm. here just on the economic side i mean there's a whole the spiritual side which is uh, critical and uh, and we'll Mm -hmm. get into that also but just from an economics perspective uh, we've really yeah. shifted in the last, I say, couple of decades to just distribution, mm. and uh, that that leads mm. to socialism, and it leads to less production, yeah. less wealth creation, more government, mm. more inefficiency, more ineffectiveness, yeah. higher prices, less goods, mm. inflation, lower standards of mm. living, and that's what yeah. we're really seeing uh, in, uh, in 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 you know in North America, in our whole Western world, we're seeing a tremendous Mm. Collapse in the standards of living because of mm. our, um, you know, our our views now have become uh, much more socialistic, and the government controls too many of the resources, and people aren't prepared to work. And in some cases, mm. the government doesn't even give us access to the resources, which yeah. is also an overstepping of their bounds when they restrict the resources that God has given
0: us to utilize mm. uh, for His honor, His glory, and for our good. Yeah. So you would say then that um, from a Christian worldview and a Christian way of thinking about economics, that uh, a more free market model is in line with what the Bible um, prescribes in terms of how economies should, should run, as opposed to a more socialist or communistic, um, you know, top-down governance sort of way. Absolutely. The Bible yeah. has
1: no support mm. for socialism whatsoever. This is mm. something that I think is, is, is really horrifying to see uh, Christians mm. fall into this temptation that the state should be involved in Education, the mm. state should be involved in healthcare. It should be involved in all these different areas. No, it shouldn't. Mm. Um, we mm. need to have a free, competitive market, and that will produce the you know the products and services at a much lower cost, and, and also in a fair, a uh, much more fair way. We're seeing the uh, partiality of the state now, and uh, and mm. then it's very hard to stop them when they get into a sector and they control it. Then it becomes driven by their own ideology, uh, and it's not a free market anymore. A free market unleashes the talents and the gifts and abilities that God has placed in each of us. And to limit that is to limit um, the production of wealth for everybody. And it becomes, uh, you know, everybody will become poor other than the very few people who control the whole mechanism. And, uh, And so the free market is definitely consistent with a Christian worldview of human freedom, of human responsibility and that wealth is not created by the state, it's created by individuals through personal effort, merit, and sweat. And uh, mm-hmm. that's the only way that wealth is created. And so, uh, yeah, with,
0: yeah. you know, the Bible says- I always like to tell people, you know, uh, when the government's giving away money and so on, that the government doesn't actually have money, it has your money. <laughs>
1: <We> <laughs> because should it, it. it gets
0: all of its yeah. resources through, you know, force of coercion through taxation. Yeah, right? we should be offended yeah. when the government sends
1: mm-hmm. us a check and it says, it, uh, you should thank us. No, 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 we should be very (laughs) angry because they've actually taken our money, as you say, through a Mm. rapacious tax system, repressive Mm -hmm. tax system. And then they put it through an inefficient bureaucracy, which is Mm. unnecessary, and then send send a check back to us a portion of it, which is our Mm. money in the first place. And then they Mm. tell us uh, we should be thankful and uh, we should be outraged that that is an abuse of power and something that uh, is wasting our money and actually wasting our resources.
0: It's not being a good steward, and that's that's, Mm -hmm. it's really immoral. It's an offense against God. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So maybe tease this out a bit, because I I like to make sure that, you know, in these episodes, we're not just preaching to the choir, because often you can just talk, uh, and the people who agree with you are going to be nodding along, but then somebody who's maybe on the other side of the aisle uh, might not be tracking a little bit. So can you maybe tease that out a bit more and make a compelling case, uh, biblically and practically speaking, so why is it that, you know, government systems and economies that are run in a more socialistic, top-down sort of fashion tend to be less prosperous, less efficient than a free market economy? What are some of those reasons? Well, because of sin. I mean, I think if you
1: really get back to mm. it, you really get to sin. Um, and sin uh, is something that needs to be kept in check. And the best way to keep that in check is through competition. Mm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and competition and, and uh is what's going to ultimately keep a lot of that sin in check. So if you concentrate power, Mm -hmm. which is what the problem is when you have government, so you concentrate Mm -hmm. power in the hands of a few, there is no way that you're going to get the kind of innovation and technology development and creativity released that you're going to Mm -hmm. get in a system that allows private property and allows you to keep keep, keep and benefit from your work. And so it's impossible, it's absolutely impossible. And there's no time in history, and every single example uh, that we've mm. seen now for the last 6,000 years will point to the, exactly the same thing. Statism mm. leads to poverty. Statism leads to very lack of innovation, creativity. Statism mm. leads to abuse. Um, and uh, and so you stifle individual creativity, individual gifts and abilities. You, you start to focus mm. on equality of outcome and when you focus on equality of outcome that sounds okay we're, we're using the word equity which is thrown around a lot in our day equity but what we what we really want to do is have is, as much as possible equality of opportunity we want to give everybody opportunity mm-hmm. and then we need to celebrate difference differences in outcome because mm-hmm. everybody is created differently God orders mm-hmm. His universe providentially and sovereignly. He hasn't mm-hmm. ordered it for everybody to turn out the same way. That's just not the biblical uh, mm-hmm. this biblical model at all. God uh, is going to give some gifts to some people, other gifts to others, and mm-hmm. He holds us accountable for the gifts that He's given us. And so, in mm-hmm. a system that does its best to provide equality of opportunity, but then lets people go, there's no there's no way a social
0: system could. Even begin to compete with that, mm. um, and so I mean, yeah. when, and in that way too, the socialist system is is trying to act like God. It's trying to to you know pre, um, predefine basically like what people will do and how you know production will go and so on. They, but they don't have the omniscience to do that wisely. Oh yeah,
1: and, and I think that uh, whenever you have a group of old men that sit around a table and, and 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 make decisions for the whole economy, which is what you saw in the Soviet yeah. Union, and to a certain mm. degree. I think over the next five to 10 years, we're gonna see that in China also. China over the last 30, 40 years has done an amazing job building um, in terms mm-hmm. of their economic strength. Uh, they stole literally almost everything from the West. They also used our mm-hmm. capital through unfair trading and so on. But I think the story is far from over because they built buildings that had no return on invested investments whatsoever. They invested in a lot of mm-hmm. infrastructure that is absolutely useless. Um, yeah, you can build a big fancy building, but if it doesn't have any kind of economic return, should you actually build it? Um, That's a whole Mm -hmm. different question. And so in a system where you have to be accountable to every dollar for an economic return, or you lose that money, and that money goes into the hands of someone else who is more, uh, more adept and more, uh, more more, skilled at generating return, then you're gonna have a, comp- a compounding growth in the economy. But you wait and watch hmm. China. They have just wasted money. They've wasted billions and billions of dollars. They now have a population hmm. that's in decline. And they have all these hmm. stranded assets that have no economic return. So um, they've got a lot of, in debts on assets that don't have a return. If you're gonna create um, if you're going to build assets and then you're going to put debt against it that doesn't have an economic return, that's going to lead to a collapse. And so um, I suggest that uh, any any economy that's driven by the decisions of a limited number of people will eventually collapse. Mm. It has to, because those individuals mm. do not have the power of a market where you have millions mm. of people contributing through the price mechanism to make decisions yeah. on how capital is allocated there's nothing like it. It, it, it works mm. like no other system. And the proof of that mm-hmm. is the, the Anglosphere, Northern Europe, um, the United States, Australia, Canada. These are by far the most productive, uh, wealthiest countries in the history of the world in terms of middle class mm. uh, people. And those are all countries that were heavily influenced by the Reformation and by Protestant Christianity.
0: Mm. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah, because uh, China is often the ad- objection that's brought up in terms of, you know, trying to argue the, the benefits of capitalism and free market over a more uh, top down system. And a lot of people look to China and say, well, look, China did it. They're, they're prosperous. They're doing well. And it's an interesting analysis they are given and um, even predictions there, which I'd agree with. I mean, you're starting to see that that China's yeah. starting to grasp at, at straws, basically trying to hold on to uh, this economy that they've manufactured falsely, basically. And this is why you're seeing them, you know, starting to bring infrastructure into places like Africa and starting to try to mine resources from other countries um, in order to bolster, I think, what they've done poorly in their own. Yeah, if, you know, because of man's fallenness, you never
1: want to concentrate power and decision making in a few people. You want to decentralize that. And, and again, as you decentralize it, it should all be based upon biblical truth, of course, the scriptures. The only person that you want to have dictatorial powers is God, and that's it. That's because He is a God who is perfect, He's holy, He's just, Mm -hmm. and uh, in His character and nature, uh, we want Him to rule over us because of who He is Mm -hmm. as our Creator and our our God. But when it comes Mm -hmm. to man, absolutely not. We need to break up power. Mm -hmm. We need to have decision-making broken into as many people as possible, and that's the beauty of the market. Um, you'll always mm-hmm. have supply of goods and services if you let the market just operate effectively, and mm-hmm. let the price go where it goes. Uh, if prices yeah. go up and people can make a lot of profits, more supply will come in, prices will come mm-hmm. down. If prices are, are too low and you can't make money, people will, leave that, uh, you know, will leave, leave that area, that industry won't produce as much, prices will come up and normalize. And um, mm-hmm. that mechanism needs to be left alone and uh, mm. but it's very tempting. We all want to fool around with it. We get the government involved. It promises mm. things that uh, we can we can get something for nothing. And uh, we've yeah. seen what that means um, here in Ontario and in Canada in general. Uh, we were promised mm. 60 years ago that healthcare could be free. I mean, the government would take care <laughs> of it. But you, yeah. you you give six five six decades of government running our, our medical system, and it is a disaster and we have a yeah. lot of debt to show for it and a very inefficient, yeah. ineffective system that's only gonna get worse. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so we, we, we're we living out um, you know some of the problems that uh, uh, we thought we could somehow avoid uh, 50, mm-hmm. 60 years ago, but you can't. Our education system is another prime example of a disastrous yeah. system on every level now. What they teach, mm-hmm. what they don't teach, uh, the, you know, yeah. the perversity of what they're teaching and so forth. Yeah. Um, and trying to take parents right out of the equation,
0: and uh, yeah. that's government control. That's a dictatorial system, and it's cr- and both and both of those spheres are you know spheres that weren't given to the government by scripture in terms of the delegated authority. So they don't have the you know neither the the the, the divine uh, approval to act in those spheres, but also they don't even have the the tools um, you know that God gives tools to each um, leader within its specific sphere. You know, parents have the rod of discipline. Um, you know, the state has the sword. Uh, which is a very specific thing for justice Uh, but if you start using the sword bar like this coercive force in other spheres it becomes um, a mess you know and i think that's exactly what's been happening exactly exactly yeah and Mm -hmm. again
1: as i started off with the spheres too parents children Mm -hmm. are the responsibility of the parents first and Mm foremost, not the state and uh and so we've just seen recently In Canada, where the state wants to dictate to the parents and um, completely, and uh, if there's any disagreement, uh, they're not going to allow any of that. And so uh, we're going to reach some points where uh, there has to be some pushback, and we're going to have some
0: major, major points of friction going forward. Yeah, definitely. So I want to read you uh, something here from uh, Christian economist Graham Leach. Uh, He's noted that there's this trinity of factors that build a successful economy according to God's laws. Uh, He says that there these three, um, true private property ownership, right? So actually owning property, Um, the proportional minimal taxation, as opposed to maximal um, progressive taxation that we have now, and then privately run individual welfare as opposed to state run welfare, which is also something that we're struggling with here in the West. Um, So what are your thoughts on this? You know, He says that these three sort of factors, if they're present in any economy, will lead to prosperity, will lead to God's blessing on that economy, uh, so again, it's it's private uh, private property ownership, like so true property ownership, minimal uh, proportional taxation, and then uh, privately run individual welfare as opposed to state run welfare. I agree? Disagree? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. No, I think uh, Graham, Graham is exactly right. Um, it's
1: work, Let's work through each of those. I mean, private property is sure. the is the foundation, the base, so that uh, you have uh, control over your own resources. You can own your own land, even the rights to yourself and your own labor mm. as part of private property, mm. but also you can have access to ownership of land and businesses and corporations and so on. That mm. gives you um, a concern and focus on those assets. No one's gonna be concerned about mm. your home uh, or land or business or yourself as much as you are. And you're mm. the one that's gonna make the best decisions for all of, that, uh, all of those areas of, of private property that fall under your domain. If you centralize that, the decisions will be suboptimal all the way through. And so this becomes a foundation Mm -hmm. point. And also, if you're building a a free market economy, the fact that you can own property, own land, and uh, care for it, it also provides you with collateral. And that's also very important Mm -hmm. too. So you can borrow against your Mm -hmm. house um, or an asset or a business that helps you grow a business. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you can start with a little bit of money, you've got some collateral Mm -hmm. and capital what you'll find in economies where people have nothing to offer as collateral is they really have no access to to capital and so that can starve mm. them and, and even if they have good ideas they really can't make them work and so private property right. is essential it limits the government and it also stops people from stealing because uh, that's yours mm. and they can't take it away from you so a whole system of, entit- of, of title, mm. and making sure there's property proper ownership laws and so forth as, you know, so there's predictability in the future too. You're not going to make long-term economic mm. decisions if you think your assets mm. are just going to be taken away from you. And you right, see- this
0: is a basis for security and taking risk. Even right, if like you can own your house, for example, Absolutely. actually own it and not have to, you know, let's say continuously pay taxation to keep your property. Um, you know, then you can take risk because you're like, okay, well, at least I own my my land, my property, my my house, and you know, I can risk starting a new business that may fail, but you know, I own my house, so I'm not gonna lose that you, unless yeah. of course you, you, you take it as collateral uh, against a loan or something. Exactly, if you if, if- yeah.
1: Yeah, but then you're trying to make a good decision, hopefully. I mean, if you don't, then mm-hmm. the money's going to go to the hands of people who uh, hopefully will make better decisions. But um, mm-hmm. there's risk, and you want to have venture capital. You want people taking mm-hmm. risk. You want people to mm-hmm. um, to try something, and it's not failure. If you legitimately go into something, you put your heart into it, and it doesn't work out, then you start over and you mm-hmm. do something else. That's the way it works in, uh, in, in the world that uh, God has given us. So I think the, the yeah. pro- if you if you go to any place where property is held in common, um, you'll see it's not very well developed and not looked after. I mean, it's just a, a, yeah. I mean, I could give you all sorts of examples. I don't want to pick on certain. Yeah. Uh, say,
0: certain. Graham gives the example actually like of um, bathrooms, right? People clean their own bathroom. Yeah. They take care of their own bathroom, but yeah. public bathroom. Who goes into a public bathroom and yeah. starts cleaning? Yeah. it? Yeah. yeah.
1: And if yeah. you look at the way, um, uh, unfortunately, the mm-hmm. way they've uh, given land to um, the indigenous people uh, of Canada, First mm. Nations, and so the same thing in the United States, um, the land mm. never gets developed properly and people live in just total poverty. The second mm. item you mentioned would be proportionate tax and minimal taxation. And the reason that's important is because um, you must starve the beast, you have mm. to keep government at a certain size. And so Mm -hmm. um, whenever you're and when you're taking money from people from their private property, it should be uh, very transparent, it should be laid out so people know what the rules are. It's not arbitrary and it should be minimal and it should be proportionate in the sense that people should pay a similar proportionate amount so that there's fairness um, uh, within the population. The way even the way we have it now, people keep saying, you know, go tax the rich. Um, The wealthy people Mm. pay the vast majority of the taxes now anyway. It's already skewed to very few. Part of the problem we have is that too many people pay no tax. And so they don't Mm. feel it. And they'd be better if they felt the oppression of government and pushed back more um, than uh, getting (laughs) a a free ride. But having said that, the Mm. biggest issue there is keeping government in its lane and making sure that Mm. when money is taken from us through taxation, it's fair. It's it's not mm-hmm. overly large and it's very transparent, so we know exactly what the rules of the game are, and so the government just right. can't come along and uh, say, "Hey, you know, you owe us you owe us money," and that can that happens mm-hmm. in some economies. Um, they just expropriate mm-hmm. your assets, and of course, again, mm-hmm. no one's going to be investing, thinking long term, building capital for everybody, if that's the case. And then the last one would be uh, in terms of charities. There's this is this is again something where the church has really, really fallen down. I mean, Christians should be ashamed of themselves in terms of what they've given up in our economy, uh, handing over Mm -hmm. our hospitals, our healthcare system to the government. Um, It is far, far better for Christian organizations, charitable organizations to do charitable work. The government does not have the heart of individuals and people. It becomes usually bureaucratic becomes institutionalized, um, non-caring, mm-hmm. non-loving. Um, nothing can compete with individuals and charities who are passionate about caring for each other. And this is, mm-hmm. this is a big problem. We saw this in, you know through COVID also. We saw how the state does not care anything about us. It doesn't care mm-hmm. about long-term care facilities. It doesn't care about um, the pain and suffering when people have funerals and can't attend them. Um, they were, you know, mm-hmm. restricted, restricted attendance at funerals. Same thing with other celebrations or go after the church. The state mm-hmm. has no heart. The state is mm-hmm. not going to be representing God the way individuals or churches are going to be, um, the heart of God, the care, the compassion, the love, the grace. And so I think these mm-hmm. three items, which Graham, uh, touches on are very, very important, and then they springboard mm-hmm. out into other areas. Uh,
0: they, have imp- they have broad implications in terms of our economics and our view of society. Yeah, awesome. We could definitely uh, continue to talk a lot more on that, but I got some other stuff that I want us to cover. Let me uh, shift gears a little bit. So uh, I want us to talk a little bit about currency because that's a, a <laughs> vital part of um, of economies is the currency that we use, right? Um, and I want you to speak specifically to how does God's law um, relate to money as in currency? Um, and what's your thoughts on the problems with inflationary fiat currency, which we currently have um, from a biblical worldview? And is there any alternative realistically?
1: Yeah, this is, this is a big area. It's a very important area. I mean, mm-hmm. c- currency, when you think of an effective currency, currency should have a couple of attributes or characteristics. It should be a store of value, which means it should be stable. If someone gives you money for working, um you should be able to hold that in your hand for you know a couple of days a couple of months without it falling in value um and being depreciated that's not that's not really good currency so stable store of value it should be a good medium of exchange so that it's uh, accepted amongst people so it's easy to uh to use it in commerce it's divisible um and uh acceptable uh fungible you know um and uh and it should also, you know, I- ideally be portable, so you can, you know, use it very easily. So I think the biggest issue um, we have with our currency is the currency we have. Yeah, it's divisible, it's portable, and uh, and so on. But is it stable in value, and what backs it up? Mm-hmm. And so for years in the Western world, we had a typically a gold standard or some type of collateral standard that behind the money. There was actually a hard asset that had value, so that your currency wasn't just dependent upon the promises of the state, which is what fiat currency means. It means the reason reason our dollar has any value is because the government tells you it has value, and then everybody mm-hmm. just assumes it has value, and there, therefore um, you know we can all use it. Um, and I think that's very unbiblical. The Bible um, talks about mm-hmm. um, you know gold and silver as money and um, collateral and um, Mm-hmm. And the biggest issue that comes up, and you can use almost anything for money, provided it has collateral and some, you know, some purchasing power behind it. But the, the, the biggest problem that we have um, that that's emerged more recently is that um, with 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 our fiat currency, and then pulling the collateral backing out of it, which it, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's occurred over a number of decades. But the the big change was in the Western world was back in 1971 when uh, Richard Nixon took the gold standard, took the U.S. completely off the gold standard, although it was only partially off the gold standard anyway after uh, Bretton Woods back in 1940, in the 1940s after World War II. But the biggest issue now is that there's really no collateral backing to any of our currencies, just a promise. And what's mm. happened is corrupt governments, dishonest governments, desperate governments who want to spend more money than they have and, where, and spend more money than they're willing to tax their population with, have started to print the money. And so they start to mm. increase the, the circulation of money. And that is just downright immoral. I mean, the Bible criticizes mm. and uh, condemns, actually, condemns for no, no uncertain terms, um, the watering down of currency and the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the watering down of your, of your money. Um, we see this in a number of biblical passages. It gets into proper weights and measures. And so I think the biggest mm-hmm. issue now with currency is it doesn't have a collateral backing. So we don't know what's behind it other than go- government promises. And the government mm-hmm. through their central banks, which they say are independent, which is a complete farce uh, and joke mm-hmm. really. Uh, the Bank of Canada it is, does the bidding of the federal government. It certainly has the last three, four years Um, Will, when pushed, just print money, which means it's stealing from everybody else because it's giving people purchasing power without earning it. And it's that purchasing power they have has increased, but the production in the economy has not gone up. And therefore, if you keep doing that and you have a certain amount of velocity, there's going to be upward pressure on prices. So all of a sudden you create inflation. If you create inflation, you're also stealing from people. So this is the challenge we have now and i think that a christian view of currency would be much more controlled level of expansion Mm -hmm. and you would try to back it with a hard asset and uh, so it would be forced discipline on the state and on the bank any central banks you'd have Um, although Mm -hmm. I'd, i'd be more inclined to get rid of the central banks but um Uh, But but basically collateralizing it and keeping uh, under under wraps the the expansion of the currency. Because ideally, you don't need to expand the currency at all. And what would happen if you had a productive economy, prices would go down. Hmm. But the reason why they don't want prices to go down is because we're in a debt-based economy. And so if prices go down, your home prices go down and it's easier to buy them. But people have all this debt against it. Um, then you're going to run into financial problems because there's way too much debt in the system. And so that's why they like to have this inflation going on
0: underneath the surface, because it helps uh, keep the debt, uh, debt-based debt economy going, if you will. Right. So it's like masking the problem that's, that's underlying. Um, you know, and it's interesting when you think about it. Um, so we've seen that happen in terms of the prices going down in certain sectors of the economy that um, have been allowed for free market forces to to, to take its, its its route, its natural route. You see that, for example, in tech, right? Um, look at the cost of computers and personal computers o- over the past, you know, let's say two to three decades. Um, we've seen you know computers go from something that only the very wealthy uh, can afford, and through innovation and 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 you know um, companies uh, providing a lot of competition with one another and pushing one another. Uh, the consumer has actually benefited as the prices of computers have gone down in technology as, as a whole. And I mean, that's not even in a true uh, free market uh, in its true sense. But um, we saw some of that play out. And how much more could that play out um, if that was allowed to happen um, economy-wide, basically? A-
1: absolutely. Absolutely. If you, if you go back to uh, the 50s or the 60s, 1950s, 1960s, um, mm-hmm. People generally, even a working class person, blue collar person with a reasonably good blue collar job, worked in a factory mm-hmm. or something like that, um, their salary, their annual salary might be um, 50% of the price of buying a home um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and on one income. And so the productivity and the wealth levels were much, much higher even when I graduated, I started buying, uh, you know, buying home in the uh, ni- early 1990s. I mean, the first home I purchased uh, was uh, well less than, uh, um, well, I, my, my, my income at that, at that point would have been probably 70, 80% of the value of the house. Um, what's happened is by expanding the size of government and socializing everything and just increasing debt and spending beyond our means and printing money and so forth is that incomes. Um, Have not gone up. Incomes since, I think, since the early 90s, maybe have doubled, and home prices have gone up by four or five times. So, Mm. uh, and then taxation's gone up and so forth. And so, what we've seen here is the government size and, and bureaucracy have just crippled our economic prosperity. And productivity. Mm. And so the only way to reverse that is not more government. I mean, you listen to people and they say, well, we need the government to help us more. It's like, no, get the government out of our lives. Get them yeah. out of the economy, yeah. people. You yeah. don't seem to realize yeah. that they're already over 50%. Mm. And if you yeah. if you give an inefficient, unaccountable, and now increasingly unjust and in and corrupt mm. system over half mm. of the assets in the economy to run. Then it's game over. You're not going to have a product. You're not going yeah. to grow. And so um, mm-hmm. this this is people just don't understand basic, basic economics. It's far better to mm-hmm. have the private sector in competition, mm-hmm. uh, working night and day, figuring out how they're going to do it better than handing stuff over to the government to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that tied even to um, just the overall secularization of our societies. Um, you know, we saw the. You know, if you just track with the history of the West, that um, when Christendom was in its its prime and was the the prevailing worldview off of our society, even though yeah, we can say yeah, not everybody was regenerate, etc., and there was a lot of cultural Christianity, that's true. Um, but it, it, the gospel is powerful; it's a powerful seed, and um, it it created um, the economies that were still actually reaping some of the benefits from, which is is interesting, even as um, you know, secularism has come to replace a lot of the Christian thought that um, once captured the Western mind. We're still reaping some of the past um, fruit from that seed that was planted so long ago. Yeah, I think like the economy isn't going to turn around until we have also a shift in um, the public cultural worldview as well. Yeah,
1: Dr. Schaefer used to, you know, Francis Schaefer, Mm -hmm. um, who I was raised on in the um, in the 70s, 80s. Yeah. um, Before he passed away, he used to say that we're living off of borrowed capital, and uh, Mm -hmm. he was exactly right. And what's happened, you know, really the last say four, five, six years is that all that borrowed capital really has been been exhausted if you will and so now mm. we're wondering i mean more and more people are wondering what exa- why why did the west exist why where all this freedom mm. come from where does this wealth come mm. from i mean with the covid lockdowns and the massive government intrusion into our lives a lot of people are saying well you know well where, where do these freedoms come from in the first place and with freedom of speech under attack like, why did we have freedom of speech? So, where did that come from? And they're going back. Mm. Well, that—that's that, actually a Christian concept. That actually comes from mm-hmm. a biblical worldview. Um, and a lot of them, are, for the first time, trying are starting to go back to uh, understanding what what is Christianity. What is Christian worldview? And uh, we don't yeah. appreciate what we have um, been given um, in our, our history in the West. And uh, yeah, mm. it's it's all going to disappear if we don't have a spiritual. Awakening, revival. Um, we don't repent yeah. and turn from our wicked ways and uh, and go back to yeah. um, to God. I mean, that's just that's just absolutely essential. One of the most important yeah. elements of an economy will be uh, the family unit itself. I mean, you cannot yeah. avoid statism if you have um, broken families. And so, to the extent yep. that we allow families to just be just decimated um, and annihilated, really. Yeah. And uh, we don't have proper roles and responsibilities and families and strong families. And the government steps in. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. have a strong family, a strong church that you're involved in, and you don't need a government, you don't even look to the government, yeah. you don't want the government around, right? But yeah. if you have a broken mm-hmm. home and you're needy and you're not able to look after yourself and you're living um, mm-hmm. in opposition to God's created order and you don't, aren't living in community and a church and so forth with families and help, uh, then mm-hmm. the state becomes a surrogate god, if you will, and that means Mm. uh, you're quite happy to see the state get larger and larger and larger. And the trade-off is you lose your freedoms, prosperity,
0: Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's not a pretty picture. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting how you relate, you know, the breakdown of the family to the economy, that those two things are related. And like you said, in a broken family, people are looking for now a nanny state because the, the parental structure is broken down within the home, right? And this is why I think a lot of people today look to the the state as if it's their mother, father, right? Um, that was the language of communism, right? Like Mother Russia, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it was the state becoming that parental figure, uh, and uh, that's very much tied to the breakdown of the family. Let's let's shift gears a little bit though, uh, because I want I, I know I've got a bunch of listeners, and I, I myself I'm a Christian creative I just started a a business, um, Curious Creative Media. That does a provides a whole bunch of different creative services, um, and you know I'm looking at. The time that we live in, and I'm getting concerned. I know I have some friends who are also entrepreneurs on their own and concerned in the times that we're living, the economy is not looking great. Um, is it actually a good time for us to be starting businesses and doing startups and so on? So, I want to get your opinion on this in the current economy when things seem to be so hard already as it is, right? Um, with the dominance of like big business in certain sectors and so on, and you know that there's so much against us, even ideologically from the state and from culture and so on. Um, why should we even try, right? Uh, why should Uh, especially since it's so hard to do that, Uh, why not just work for someone else? Why should Christians um, be starting businesses and starting startups uh, and trying to do these things, even when it's hard right now? Yeah, I think it's a great time
1: to be a business person and be entrepreneurial and definitely uh, to try your best to avoid working for some big, large organization, which is probably woke and doesn't like you and uh, and, and will, yeah. will leave you at any time, has no loyalty to you whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, large companies yeah. do not care about you. You're a number. Mm. So why do I say it's a great time? Well, I think from a Christian perspective, again, um, you know, we look to the Lord. We realize that he is sovereign. This is his world. He is in control. And, um, and we need to look to him prayerfully and, uh, and, and, and carefully and say, Lord, where you know, where have you gifted me? And where are some areas that I could find uh, in the market where there's some shortcomings there's some opportunities and so on? And then jump in there and get going. I think that um, as we've seen recently with Anheuser-Busch, with Disney, with Target, mm. that these big companies are just falling in on themselves. They're collapsing in on themselves. Their ideology mm. is sinking them. And so I don't think there is necessarily as hard to compete with as you think. Um, yeah, mm. they've got some rules and regulations, and they'll maybe throw a, a you know they'll a sledgehammer at you or something like that. But the reality is that so many of them are driven by false ideologies. These are ideologies that mm. do not fit with the real world, God's world. And so mm. I think there's avenues of competing against some of these large organizations and coming up with products and services that are mm. of redeeming value and based upon Christian principles. So I think uh, you know the the going public of Public Square in the United States just this week, Mm -hmm. um, where you can now go on a central database and you can make all sorts of gifts uh, or or products, I should say products and services you can offer that uh, aren't Mm -hmm. going to be based in some ESG woke world environment. And there'll be more and more of a market where people will want to buy those goods and services. So Mm -hmm. I see I see that businesses, um, some of these large companies are becoming more inefficient, more ineffective. Mm-hmm. I look at our Canadian yeah. banks, I don't know about you, but I, 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 you go into the bank branch, it is a very inefficient place now. Um, the technology mm-hmm. has not helped it at all, it's impersonal, um, they don't mm-hmm. care about you largely and I'm not speaking here about all the, you the know, different employees, I'm speaking about the system itself. And we're in the financial service businesses. A lot of the people coming to us, they're coming because they don't want the, you know, the deeper you know, the depersonalized approach, the institutional approach that you're just treated as a number. They don't want pictures mm. all over the walls of every kind of sexual deviation known to man, which has nothing to do mm. with banking. They're fed up with it. So, yeah. um, I would say for for Christians and for entrepreneurs, especially young people setting out look for an opportunity, take the risk, go into venture venture mm-hmm. capital. And, and the reality is that most innovation is done in small organizations even to this day. Um, mm-hmm. Apple, for example, buys 10s and 20, 20 probably 50 companies a year. Um, wow. And they're buying small companies because they're buying talent, they're buying ideas, they're buying patents from, mm-hmm. from entre- entrepreneurial people. So I think that we have mm-hmm. a mandate as Christians to go mm. forward and to take charge, to allocate capital, look to God. He's the one that's sovereign. Look to for his mm. blessings. Um, there's that wonderful passage in Ecclesiastes, uh, right near the end, Ecclesiastes uh, 11, I believe, which talks about uh, casting your bread upon the water. And you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to come back, but you know something will come back. God will reward that in right. some way or some fashion. And if it mm. looks like it's going to rain, you still go out and... and, and uh, and seed. If it looks like it's going to be windy or it's going to be in you know, the weather's going to be bad, you still go out and seed. You still go out and reap. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. stop. We keep pressing on. We're optimistic. Our God's in control. We know the end mm-hmm. of the story, and it's an amazing story, and it's one of complete and utter victory. And so, um, yeah. I think that uh, we need to not be dissuaded at all. Don't be scared by large organizations they can fall mm. very quickly who would have thought that mm. disney in just a matter of a couple of years would make yeah. the kind of mistakes that they've made now this is you know disney's never been a uh, an organization that i think christians should be big supporters of anyway i mean it's a very false world mm-hmm. from the day they incorporated the organization but but uh, yeah. that they would actually say they're family oriented and then turn on families mm-hmm. um who would have thought that again a beer that's supposed to be for you know jocks and men um, would use a transgender (laughs) person to promote their product. I mean, this is insanity. And so I think the insanity of some of these companies will just provide more opportunities Mm. for creative business people. So go for it.
0: Absolutely go for it. Yeah. I think the consumer market's getting uh, fed up as well too. Like even just the average person who never really has thought about worldview issues, Is looking at those things and they're so ridiculous now they're making the ideology just stink right and people are looking for valid alternatives to turn to which is why like i'm super excited about the public square thing yeah Um, i would would that we see more of that here in canada right yeah i think public square i've heard that they're going to be coming up to canada too but 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 a network i don't
1: want to buy anything Mm. from nike I mean, I I used to think, okay, Adidas might be a little better until they put some person, you know, some man dressed up in a (laughs) woman's bathing suit. And it's like, enough for Adidas. I don't want to buy them either. So will I buy some sporting um, outfits by a company that can build the same quality? I don't care about the brand, Mm -hmm. but I know it's going to be coming from a company that uh, has the same values that I have. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's duplicated Mm -hmm. and multiplied uh, throughout the whole system. Look at the latest movie, The Mm -hmm. Sound of Freedom. They laughed at that, mm-hmm. and the sound yeah. of freedom wasn't gonna, you know, that's not gonna go anywhere. They didn't get any support by the big people. It cost what fifteen million dollars to to make, and there looked like mm-hmm. they'll be grossing over a hundred million. Well, that's that's a yeah. pretty good return on investment. Um, oh, yeah. Meanwhile, you have the uh, the other series, the Harrison Ford, Ford uh, series, and uh, you yeah. know they they spend over two hundred million on the film, and they'll be they'll be lucky if they mm-hmm. get half of that back, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the reality is we can compete against. You know, debased mm. stupidity, which is what I'm thinking you're seeing now um, in more and more yeah. of the economy. And, and I think that mm. uh, we should not be deterred in the least. In fact, I think we should mm. get excited and we should encourage mm. Christian entrepreneurship. But, um, and I mean, true entrepreneurship, not being lazy, but really mm. hardworking, creative people who have been gifted
0: by mm. God and uh, mm. and get behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's super encouraging for me, I know, uh, because just getting started, started off, it can it can feel like a real hill because as you're launching a business, as you know, um, it takes time for that yes. to, to build up, you know, a reputation, a portfolio and clients and all these things. And uh, that grind can be really discouraging. Uh, yeah. but it's good to hear that. And especially since like I'm trying for myself to build a company that's explicitly Christian and honors the Lord and is, um, you know, going to. To, to not compromise on that, like, um, you know, I'm making it a point to be like, you know, we're not woke. We're not going to be, you know, pushing that type of agenda or going along with it. Yeah. And uh, my hopes are is that there's actually a market for that, because I'm seeing I'm sensing this, that people are fed up, that they're looking for these sorts of alternatives. Yeah. And I'm hoping that more Christians will be bold to step out like that. And I think it will cost some of us something. But I don't think that it, in the long run, uh, eliminate all um of of these christian startups and and alternatives i think yeah the market yeah i mean you you, uh, you go back
1: to the horrors of uh, nazi germany Mm -hmm. and even Mm -hmm. in the europe it was hard sometimes for the jewish folks to work in other organizations and so they became very creative as a group and started started their own Mm -hmm. businesses and got involved in a number of industries and um, mm-hmm. said and became quite wealthy and created a lot of wealth. So sometimes that adversity mm-hmm. uh, can lead to opportunities, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we have mm-hmm. to 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 focus on. But uh, Christians yeah. all people should be those who are are prepared to take risk because you know we know the God mm-hmm. who holds the future, and uh, yep. and so it's not just an arbitrary you know chance world that we live in. Um, it's yeah. it's
0: God's world. Amen. Amen. It's good. Um, so I got a listener question for you, actually. Um, so let me read it out and you can respond. So how can someone in ministry uh, build equity and wealth for his children while still being full employed full-time in a church? And as you know, church uh, ministry doesn't necessarily uh, you know, pay that well, um, especially in the current economy where more and more people are finding it hard to make ends meet in a city. So how what would be your advice to someone who's in full-time vocational church ministry? How can they build equity and leave an inheritance for their children?
1: I think you just go back to the very basic principles that the Bible gives, and that means you have to save, you have to be disciplined, you have to Mm -hmm. set money aside. So I think that um, a couple of things, Uh, try to get um, a home, try to invest in some real estate that at least you're living in a place and you're building equity in in a home. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's critical that um, you have a budget and you lay out exactly what you're going to be spending and you then Mm -hmm. set aside um, a small amount of money and what you can save out of that. Even if it's a small amount, it will compound and then set that Mm -hmm. aside and invest that money um, and just try to find a place where you can invest it in a sane, sensible investment program. Um, and uh, there's really no. Shortcut. I happen to know a company that uh, <laughs>
0: does investments.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to promote my. I'm not trying to promote. My, but, um, but I think there really is no silver yeah. bullet. There's no shortcut, and we mm. don't know what the future has. Like some. It's like I'll have some. I have a number of pastors that are clients, and uh, the vast majority of them, if they're really theologically astute, are just disciplined savers and i see them we're putting that into putting that into practice and there's others that are kind of um you know they worry about they inordinately worry about things these aren't some you know the leaders um, but there the may be smaller you know pastors and they worry about the future and they worry worry worry, mm-hmm. worry 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 and i'm thinking you're a pastor you should be more you should have more confidence and more faith and stuff and then they end up saving nothing mm-hmm. and so it's the little by little by little it's the discipline it's being creative in the home uh, working together Mm -hmm. with your spouse and on ways that you can you know save money and um, and get creative and uh, and create different revenue streams even Um, that's what works over time and as i said i've seen Mm -hmm. people that are in the ministry and they make the same amount of money and one might retire um, you know, with financial assets, not even a home, uh, you know, in, in over a million dollars and another might have 50 grand. Not even that. And it was just the discipline over the time. So I think that, again, mm. that is set aside a little bit, have a budget, be very careful, think long term. Don't let the current events um, cripple you from sticking to the proper principles of saving and being uh, financially frugal and disciplined. And uh, part of that too is, you know, and is is to give money to church. I mean, the, the Lord gets mm. the, gets it off the top, right? That's part of uh, tithing. And mm-hmm. I think it's very important uh, to first give back to the Lord, even when it hurts. Um, that's that's what, mm-hmm. that's what that's what that's what that's what you're supposed to be doing. you trusting the Lord. I came from a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was a chiropractor, and he was very generous uh, to the church. And he always said, "You can never outgive the Lord." and uh, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And so he was always a good example of that. And so I think, you know, first give to the Lord, second, take care of your family um, and uh, Mm. have a disciplined budget, set aside money aside and try to buy assets that are, you know, gonna hopefully go up in value and protect your purchasing power over time, starting with some
0: real estate and then building out from Mm. there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you would say, prioritize uh, in terms of if if they're trying to say, you know, what do we save to invest in? Uh, What would be some of the asset classes, let's say, that they should be prioritizing investments in, Um, particularly because they don't have a whole lot of cash flow? Um, Yeah, I think
1: they should find an investment vehicle that's going to be just very disciplined in long term and and, uh, investing in really healthy quality businesses or Mm -hmm. harder assets could be property things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, look, I, I operate in the stock market. The stock market is a wonderful way to participate in directly in equities in businesses. And mm-hmm. I think that um, it's a very efficient way of doing it. It's a wonderful opportunity. And um, so I, I, I would say, you know, you're gonna have to probably find a fund or someone who's operating something. That um, mm. you know they feel comfortable in what's going to be you know consistent with their principles. I mean, I mean we as a company right now we look at the market and we say yeah it's going to be tricky it's going to be a challenge but that doesn't stop us from investing in high quality companies that we think are trading at good prices and then mm. being patient over the long term. I mean the alternative is you don't save or you go and spend mm-hmm. money you don't need to sp- spend and that's not a proper alternative either. We have to trust the Lord. I mean, the the Bible gives us all of these examples that Christ speaks to these issues in many of his parables and examples. Um, We Mm -hmm. are to use our resources wisely and we're to put them to work. We're not to put them underneath Mm -hmm. our pillows. Um, We Mm -hmm. we have the the example of the talents and the the one that got in trouble was the one that just gave back what he got. Um, Mm -hmm. We are to put our time, effort, money to work. And uh, Mm -hmm. if it goes down in value when we can't control it, um, that so be it. That's the nature of the beast. Um, that's not what we mm. want. But that doesn't justify concerns over the future. Does not justify not being obedient to God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Good word and hopefully encouraging. Um, so let's let's end it off uh, with a, a question um, that that's more aimed at uh, for those in ministry and pastors. You, you yourself are an elder in a local church. And I love the perspective that you bring as well. But not every church is gonna be blessed to have an economist as an elder, right uh, and as a pastor. But uh, in your experience, what's you know, some of the most misunderstood, perhaps aspects of the the economy and economics uh, that Christians and pastors um, you know seem to get wrong? And how can pastors particularly equip their people to think Christianly? About economics, uh, and perhaps you know, maybe why should they have some sort of urgency? Obviously, it's maybe not the thing that you preach on every week, but why should there be some concern about equipping your people in this way as well?
1: Yeah, and I think that um, let me let me let me just let me just re- I'm just gonna, I have a quote here from uh, Warren Brooks, and let me mm-hmm. just um, let me just read uh, from that. I think it's a very helpful quote. He says, "A national economy." like an individual business or a specific product is the sum of the spiritual and mental qualities of its people, and its output Mm. value will only be as strong as the values of society. And uh, he says, there's many examples of barbaric societies which practiced the free market of the jungle and finally perished in the poverty of hedonism. Without Mm. the civilizing force of universal moral standards, particularly honesty, trust, self-respect, integrity, and loyalty, The marketplace quickly degenerates. A society that has no values will not produce much value. A nation whose values are declining should not be surprised at a declining economy. And as one person says, a dollar is not value, but representative of value, and at last of moral values. So what I'd say...
0: the Okay, hold, hold up. Can you give me those quotes? Like, send me those quotes because I'm going to put them up on yeah, the screen yeah, for this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was great.
1: Everything that happens in the family, in the church, mm. our consistency with God is what gets infused in our economy, in our society. Mm. The church is not separate from the economy, from business, from the government. It's what sets the whole tone of the ethics, morality, the standards, uh, mm. the law that's going to be in the society and in the businesses and in every area of the economy. And so this idea, yeah. I think that the concern is that, you know, you go to church, we we compartmentalize the sacred, uh, we worship mm. God and on Monday and so forth. It doesn't have uh, an implication out into the everyday life. That is probably one of the biggest um, uh, mistakes that we have made over the last number of decades in, in the West. Mm. That it is our biblical understanding, our biblical law, our biblical standards, biblical morality that must infuse every single area of life. If our Christian morality and standards don't underpin our biology, our physics, our chemistry, our political science, our sociology, our, our, our economics, our finance, we're going to be in trouble. All of these areas are under the Lordship of Christ. And they all have to be controlled by governing ethics and morality and um, integrity, honesty, and uh, and so on. And so I think that's the biggest mistake. What happens in a church is mm-hmm. what ultimately is most important uh, Important thing that we can do is coming together to worship the Lord, be trained in his word, and then go out into the world as ambassadors of Christ and then live out the Christian life into all areas mm-hmm. of life. So me and mm-hmm. finance, myself and finance, my team here, other people in other areas of commerce, education, we have to take back uh, our world. Mm. And uh, and so if we want a strong, prosperous economy, it'll only be as strong as the values in the economy. Mm. And so mm. as, as, uh, Tom, as Warren Brooks has points out in this quote, um, that if you have an economy that has declining values, we see the immorality all around us, our economy will blow up. It will not be mm. sustained. And so, yeah. um, you know, Tokyoville, many years ago, when he came to the United States, you know, the French sociologist, and he looked at the states, he goes, what makes this strong nation? He says it's because they're good. I mean, it wasn't perfect nation, mm-hmm. obviously, but he said, what was the contrast here? He says, he went into the, he went into, um, you know, middle America, went into the United States back in, this is back in the 1800s and he went into the churches and he saw vibrant churches. Um, he saw vibrant mm. court systems that were concerned about justice and standards of justice and so on. And if you have mm. a society like that, then it's, it's, it's gonna be dead simple. You're gonna produce a lot of wealth and you're going to uh, be a prosperous, free economy. And um, mm-hmm. But if you don't have those values and, uh, and they, they decline, then your, your economy is going to decline and your dollar ultimately will decline. And that's what we're seeing in our yeah. own economy. So uh, that's, that's yeah. the biggest thing that our, our Christian morality and ethics um, need to infuse every area of life. And so what a pastor is mm-hmm. doing on Sunday is just the tip of the iceberg of how that must then work out into mm-hmm. all of society through the congregants and through the members and
0: adherents in that church. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's so good. That's so, so good. And uh, I hope that was uh, helpful and inspiring to, you know, Christians and pastors and church leaders especially. Um, perhaps, uh, do you have any, um, as we close off, do you have any resources that you could point people to if they're looking to get a, a, a Christian understanding of uh, economics and how the Bible should inform how they think about it? uh are there any books or maybe video lectures or whatever type of resources you want to point people to that can help them on that journey
1: sure i mean what i could what i could do uh, thaddeus is maybe to send you Mm -hmm. something that you could post i could send a number of books i think that would be helpful rather than maybe rattling off some now but uh, just give a bit of a bibliography uh, of of a handful of books that i think are quite helpful um dr grudem Mm -hmm. wayne grudem has uh, a couple of books Mm -hmm. also on economics i think that are excellent i studied under Dr. Grudem Mm -hmm. at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School back in the late 80s. And -hmm. he's written, uh, he has a big systematic theology book too, but uh, he's also written on God, government, on wealth creation, Mm -hmm. and uh, some very really helpful, biblically oriented work, which is, uh, um, I find Mm -hmm. an an easy read too, uh, for people. But I'll I'll send along
0: some uh, books and then you can just attach them to the uh, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'll make sure to put those in the episode description and links to all of the resources. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, um, Jonathan. Can you tell people where they can find you? Um, you know where they can find out perhaps a little bit more about Rocklink as well. Sure. The, probably the best way of tracking us down.
1: Is you, I mean, you can go to our website, which is just rocklink.com. And Rock Link is spelled R-O-C-K. Rock, which is easy to to, uh, to spell, but Link is the tricky one. So it's L-I-N-C, not K. So he did spell it incorrectly, but uh, it gave us a .com. Um, address right away. Yeah. So rocklink.com. And um, and then they can also, uh, uh, anyone wants to send me an email, it's easy to get through to me, just J. wellum So my last name, you'll see it there, jwellum at rocklink.com. And, uh, and uh, if you go on our website also, there's phone numbers there too. And uh, we're very accessible. Uh, we love talking to people. We have about 270 families or, or more now that we look after. And uh, the majority of those are probably Christians. But You know, we look after anybody who wants to have prudent,
0: long-term, disciplined wealth management. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. I know I have, and I hope that you took away something that you can then put into practice uh, in your life. So until next time, solely the glory. Thanks for listening to the Theotivity Podcast. If you found this content helpful or edifying, please leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, follow us on social media and consider sharing this episode to help Theotivity reach others as well. Check out Theotivity.com for resources, info on how to support, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter to stay up to date on all the latest content. Until next time, live and create to the glory of God.